Alright, so uh, this podcast does contain themes of murder and things of that nature. So if you don't like murder or crime or disappearances or anything like that, then you should probably uh, go and pick up something else. There is a house that I spent a good portion of my childhood in, and the house that I, to this day, although no longer living in it, will always call my true home. I have many fond childhood memories in that house, and it's where our family lived the longest. What I'm about to describe are real events experienced in this house by me and the rest of my family. These are true accounts and are not exaggerated in any way. We've always known the house was haunted, not to the point of being insane and deadly, like you see in the movies, but plenty of unnerving things have happened there. Let me start by telling you a bit about the house. The first thing you should know is that it's very old. From the 1800s, it, it used to be a hotel when my family bought it. I, being the youngest, was only a little kid. We remodeled that house, and even extended it a little. It took a very long time, but eventually that old, rickety house from the 1800s got a brand new modern makeover. However, the things lingering in that house, which we couldn't see, stayed. At first, it started out with smaller things. My older brother would occasionally be falling asleep in his room upstairs, which was always cold and someone would blow his ear. He would open his eyes and look, but of course, nobody would be there. We were told by a few different people that a cranky old woman used to live there, who would sit out rocking in her rocking chair on the balcony, which we removed, yelling at people who would walk by. There was one night during which one of my older sisters was sleeping on the couch in the living room, and she started hearing a creaking sound. She described it as wood, creaking rhythmically, coming from the spot just outside one of the upstairs windows, which used to be a door that led out onto the balcony that no longer exists. One time when I was little, being all adventurous like I was, I took a digital camera up to the furnished attic at night, where it was quiet and pitch black, I made my way into the middle of the room, held up the camera, and started snapping pictures. I could only see what I was taking pictures of when the camera would flash, and then afterwards I looked at the taken picture on the digital screen. I eventually saw in one of the pictures I had taken while I was facing a wall, a small black spot in the middle of the screen. I took another picture, pointing the same way and saw the black spot was still there, but it had grown. To me, it looked like some sort of portal to nothingness. A small void of blackness in the room, something that sucked up the light of the flash and didn't reflect any back. As I took more and more pictures of it, it just got bigger and bigger, until it was almost covering the entire camera lens. Just blackness. It then occurred to me that rather than growing, this black mass actually seemed to be getting closer and closer to the camera lens. I don't remember anything past that point. 
I must have run downstairs. Things started getting more physical. I was once in the shower when the water got suddenly cold and I looked back to find that the knob had been turned significantly behind my back. At night when alone, we each began to hear loud footsteps above us in the biggest room on the second floor. We would only ever hear them if you were alone or were the only one awake. Once they were so heavy, it sounded like there was an elephant or something up there and the ceiling creaked so loud that I half expected it to cave in on me. My sister shared that room for a long time. Eventually, one of them moved out. Only one remained in it. When she was walking around up there, you could hear her footsteps clearly. The only problem was, I would also hear those footsteps walking around when she wasn't home. Sometimes, I was home alone. My mum was awakened one night when my friend was sleeping over to loud footsteps running up and down the stairs. According to her, it sounded like more than one person and was practically a stampede. She jumped out of bed, angry at us being up so late causing such a racket, opened her bedroom door into the room where you could still see the bottom of the stairs. But there was only dead silence and darkness. Everything was still. She thought we must have run upstairs and she had just missed us. So she went up the stairs and opened the door to the room we were sleeping in, which was my sister's old room, now vacant after they both moved out. But we were sound asleep. She thought maybe we were faking it and inspected us closer and realized that no, we were clearly out cold and had been that way for quite a while. She mentioned all of this to us the next day. Maybe still wanting to think that it was us. But we, of course, had no idea what she was talking about. One night, I was just about to fall asleep when I heard a man's voice right in my face whisper the word, BANG. It pulled me out of my sleep, making my eyes shoot open and look around the dark room to find nothing. After a minute, still being tired, I brushed it off and closed my eyes again. I started to drift back to sleep when the voice once again quietly whispered bang in my face. I opened my eyes again to once again find nothing. This happened a total of three times before I was finally able to fall asleep. So many things happened in that house, but after so many years of constant activity, you get used to it and things that used to frighten you begin to just simply annoy you. Sometimes. If you were alone and there was a persistent noise being made where no other person was, like squeezing and popping sound of plastic water bottles in the kitchen, you could just simply look in that direction and say, stop it, and sometimes it would just stop. We were eventually able to get the things that were dwelling in that house out, and the activity, after the years of persistence, stopped altogether. As I said earlier, I still consider that house to be my one and only true home, and it always will. I spent years growing up there as a child with my family and two of my close friends, as well as family friends. Despite the occasional paranormal activity, I have many good memories of that place. It is where my mind will always wander back to, whenever I think home.
little-known fact is that the Eisenhower interstate system is built over major ley lines. Rumor has it that if specific conditions are met, weird phenomena will occur. Phenomena the first. The first sign of this phenomenon is that you will lose all radio reception and devices such as MP3 players, Discman tape decks, and other music players will cease functioning. Your heater will begin only to dispense cold air, regardless of setting. After the first mile of this, you will notice a fog growing at the edges of the road, and you will see no exits, regardless of whether they were supposed to be there. If you continue on, you will begin to see the occasional pedestrian. Some of them will gesture that they would like to hitch a ride. Under no circumstances should you stop for them. No one has ever stopped and survived. If you see lights approaching from behind, and it is a hearse, do not let it pass you. No matter what. After 13 miles, the phenomenon will end, and you will be safe. The Phenomena of the Second Investigated by the witnesses after they read instructions they found in a book, left behind in a rest stop bathroom, participants must mix a shot of whiskey, a drop of their own blood, one drop from each participant, a pinch of salt, and a small amount of used engine oil. Mix with water from a rest stop fountain in a glass bottle, and smash it on the interstate in the evening or morning. If the instructions were followed correctly, the way will become densely foggy. An unmarked exit will appear, and if you pass it by, it will be closed to you for six years. If you take the exit, go left and under the interstate. Half a mile down the road is an old gas station. Inside, it is said that a full glass of the coffee sold there will keep you awake all night. And the other food and beverages are permitted to have various properties themselves. Pay the proprietor only in metal coinage. No bills, no checks, no cards. There are also some arcade machines near the back of the store, as well as an old fortune-telling wizard in a glass case. He knows how you will die. Accept no sexual favors that are offered to you while there, and do not anger anyone. Your life depends upon it. Have you ever been influenced by clothing? I don't mean confidence by looks. Have you ever been given more control than ever? By an item? Or a truth? Or just a favorite shirt? Have you ever been influenced in the worst way? By showing the truth? The following is taken directly from journal entries. The entries were written by a notorious 
but unknown killer. He's notorious in the means that everybody has seen his work. He is unknown because nobody knows that he has done it. His origin is unusual. No troubles. No evil family. No magic or paranormal forces. His life was chosen by him and him alone. His identity is also unknown. He will be named from here on as The Hooded Man. April 3rd. 2004. It's been really cold around here. I don't have anything really to cover myself. All I have are my t-shirt and jeans. So, today, I decided to get a jacket. I was just in a local store, nothing special. It's a black hoodie, with a white lining. I think it looks pretty cool. And when I tried it on, the attendant said it suits me fine. I said thanks to be polite. Common cursed, is so hard to find. So I bought it. I haven't taken it off yet. Not only is it warm, but I can really see myself doing amazing things in it. When I look at the mirror, I smirk. I feel amazing. I can't really explain it, but I like it. I really like it. I feel the need to put my hood up. Something about the hood has a way of masking a person even though it shows their face. It hides something. Somewhere. It's really late now. I've been feeling so great all day. Time flew around me. I'll have to explain more tomorrow. April 10th. I've had a hell of a week. I've felt so great. I've walked the halls like a big shot. I'm sure I look smug. That's why Jack challenged me. He was so angry. Ignoring an insult was more insulting than responding with shrewd comments about someone's family. He antagonized me. He asked for it. He threw a hard punch, and I stood. It stunk harder than before when I actually argued with him. I felt so cool all week. My confidence kept me up. I punched him hard in the stomach, and I lifted him up with an underhook. It felt so good. It really did. Parents calling. April 14th. Jack still isn't out of the hospital. They said he's in a lot of pain. He spit a lot of blood. His parents told me over the phone. I reflected on it. On how great it felt when my fist connected. How his cracked screams sounded. That's good to hear, I said blankly. I don't care about Jack. I smiled at his pain. I keep staring. I keep staring at my mirror. I'm always wearing my favorite hoodie. It feels so... empowering. My friends would laugh at what I say. They would compare me to Spider-Man and his black suit. Spider-Man threw away his power. I don't plan on doing anything with my source of confidence. April 22nd. Jack has gone to a better place. The words rang through my ears. He's dead. He lost too much blood. His father told me the day I visited. 
that he was losing blood due to a personal health condition. But the way his mother looked at me told the real story. I killed him. I still remember the satisfaction of hitting him. I never wanted to kill him. I need to think about what I've done, right? That'll fix my feelings. But what is there to think about? Regret is a foolish emotion. I don't need regret. April 24th. Dad has been avoiding me lately. And Mum just tells me she loves me. They both want me to feel endless guilt. But I won't. Or rather, I can't. I can fake it for the public. But the truth is, I'm not sorry. Spider-Man's story is starting to make me think more. But why would a cursed or possessed hoodie land in my possession? Everybody who knew Jack glares at me. Everyone who I would talk to have transferred themselves out of my class or went to a different school. Teachers don't look at me much or get onto me if I'm breaking any rule. Today, I threw a pencil at my history teacher. It hit his shoulder. He just froze for a second and then continued with what he was doing. Everybody either hates me and probably wants me dead, or they fear me. My writing is the only comfort I have. I can be at peace and let myself go. April 25th. They provoked me. They threatened me. I had no choice. They would have killed me. My hood protected my face. The knife naturally moved from Rob's hand to mine. I didn't mean to. The writing was a short line at this point. April 30th. Five days. Five days of being interrogated and sleeping in a cell. They decided I was only defending myself. I can hear mom and dad talking. They want me gone. They're both scared. I was an idiot to think that this jacket of mine could be possessing me. Or changing my personality. It's just a really cool jacket. I love how it looks. I feel like such a badass. I remember how I put the hood up. I put it up when Jack challenged me. I put it up when those guys tried to kill me. I feel no remorse. I feel indifferent. I am in control. I have finally come to realize insanity. I wanted to kill them. All of them. I needed only a push. And the confidence to fight. I got it. Mom and Dad are irritating me. They all irritated me.